You know, one thing about sex we haven't talked about that plays a big part in all of our books is identity. We've been talking mm. about a lot about the relational aspects, mm-hmm. but not about the identity aspects. Well, you mean the dark goddess. The dark <laughs> goddess, or uh, Dan and Danny, or yeah. I don't know what you would call it in my book. But <laughs> I don't know if I want to know who your alter ego is. <laughs> They're all my alter ego, didn't I tell mm. you? Artistic Whispers Productions presents... Antithesis Book One, Predestination, and Other Games of Chance. A podcast novel written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Author contact information at www.jdsawyer.net. With original music by Danny Shade. This story contains harsh language, sexual situations, and graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. And now... Dealing in episode four, part three of three. Three. It's not a feedback show this time. This is the last bit of the sex roundtable. Puck has many sexual identities. Get it started with Puck. <laughs> oh, get the there Puck once, in here. There <laughs> once was a fae named Puck, and one of his hobbies was no. <laughs> and they and he said that he really liked. The wine has ruined my syncopation. Thank you very much. Mm, bloody limericks. Yeah, I've got the, I've got the bit the Christmas story where he was like, you know, humans can't really keep up with me, but <laughs> <laughs> takes a roomful. That's true. Well, yeah, one of his um, flashbacks is, oh, I remember the Roman days when I used to dive into a room full of Roman senators' wives, <laughs> uh, or a room full of Roman senators. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he would have taken either. <laughs> Now answer me this: Is Puck Coyote also? Yeah, I think I think he probably is in Loki. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I picked up the Loki in there for sure. Yeah, he, he's um, he's he's the forces of chaos, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, and I love trickster gods. I ad- I adore them. Well, you can just throw them into any situation and just let them go. And they just fuck everything up in the most interesting yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I think that was the thing about Puck is mm-hmm. that when I started writing him, he just like took over. He was going to be like a minor little character, and then suddenly he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry, did I not tell you? Which is appropriate for a trickster guy. Yeah, yes. yeah, don't let those tricksters in. They'll, 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 they'll totally screw up all your plots. And mm-hmm. <laughs> but they usually make things more interesting. They do, yeah. and, they're fu- and they're a hell of a fun to write, and, uh, especially when you let them have lots of sex. Mm-hmm. As, soon as, as soon as I was like, okay, so why did, he get, um, why did he get banished to the evening realm part of the Fae? I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was hanging upside down naked um, with a great big hard on <laughs> <laughs> from the chandelier. I just, yeah, like, I where did it. that imagery come from? <laughs> Especially given that he's going around in, like a child's body. For so, the most wait, wait, wait. I, thought, I thought we had wild parties in fandom in San Francisco. <laughs> what do you do in Wellington? <laughs> well... <laughs> Or is this from Zumanity, the Naked what? Trapeze Act in Las Vegas? No, that just jumped into my mind for some particular reason. I was like, yeah. I think Puck's words have will probably keep... swing on this, ladies. Or... Uh, I'll have to keep that in mind for any uh, boyfriends that you have that might ask me for advice on you. <laughs> Get a chandelier. Yeah. <laughs> so what, um, other than just the raw... Um, unrestrained physicality of him do you are you exploring any particular 
um, deeper themes of sexuality with, through Puck or any of your other characters? I think Puck isn't that deep. No, he, he seems fairly shallow. <laughs> He's a hedonist. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm here and mm. I can do all sorts of crazy shit, so well, I'm going to do it. Let's play. Um, mm. uh, I think Sive's whole thing of, of, of sex is is different and she because she's so powerful mm, towards, sex is power sex is power but in the in the in the sex scene with with uh, will you she gives up mm-hmm. and and lets him take control there's a bit of power transfer going yeah, on. yeah yeah so that i think actually that sex scene did add to that because it, it sort of showed that she was willing to give up mm-hmm. a part of her of her power mm-hmm. um yeah we're coming from a land of powerful women. <laughs> yep. Um, Arwen. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy Lawless. <laughs> we're talking more Xena, but you know, um, th- those sort of things. Is I think that's my default is is the, the powerful the powerful woman. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to write someone that's a bit more submissive and a, a bit less sure of themselves is. An interesting thing that I might yeah. have to do in a erotic yeah, era like that. That's something I've had. I have trouble with too. I, we're, we're well. We're all three very strong personalities, mm. and we tend to write people who are very personally powerful mm. in one way or another. I think actually, for me, it's. Um, I mean, I, I I don't consider myself to be a, a very dominant personality by my. Mm. You know, but you're quite a character. <laughs> but you're, you're quite, but you, but you do fill a space, and mm-hmm. you know whatever space you're in, you'll fill it. You won't really. Push over anyone else's line. I mean, you're not T. Morris. You're not right. that. Overbearing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not T. Morris. I'm not Scott Sigler. I'm mm. not the the you know the showboat kind mm-hmm. of. And and in relationships. How about, how about so, quietly charming? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I I consider myself to be of a more. Um, yeah, I I, would, I don't know if I would call myself a submissive, but um, yeah, I, I think that I run more towards that um, other focused. Um, mm-hmm personality than than and so for me the strong woman is um you know a bit of my fantasy you know coming out because uh-huh. you know part of it because i see all of the you know the the submissive um position that that women are forced into in uh-huh. our you know society and you i'm dis- just well i'm disgusted by it yeah. really because you know to me you know, my my interest, you know, I think that that's one of the reasons why uh, Sive is an interesting character to me. Because mm. she's, you know, she's, like, so very much in her her personal strength. And then she has, her thing is that she has to give it up. She has to surrender herself. Yeah. Um, has to let go of the power that she has by virtue of her position and, you know, her, you know, personal strength the way she deals with will is at first it's like you will do what i want you will right you'll obey she, me this she is tries how it to is. use her sexuality as a weapon and you know which is one of the reasons why i don't like her very much through most of the book yeah a lot of people have, have said that you know she mm-hmm. and, and maybe she has uh, a masculine power structure mm-hmm. how she how she deals with her situation mm-hmm. and i mean if you're an all-powerful being you're not going to go. Okay, well, you do what you want. You know, <laughs> come around mm-hmm. to it eventually. Right. And, yeah. Um, it's it makes total sense for her to be the way that she is, mm. but it still is as grating as hell. Yeah. Um, but but then at the end, when when she mm-hmm. sort of breaks breaks down and ends up crying and and, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, it's beautiful. And, uh, that that bit is quite. Yeah. yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. I think 
I think Tease has the same problem um, that people call Ascana. Just they just say she's a bitch. Mm-hmm. And I think when you whenever you write a female powerful character like that, particularly women, mm-hmm. will go, "Oh, she's just a bitch." Yeah, I've been really shocked at how unsympathetic some of the feedback I get on Allie has been. Uh, pe- mm. People are like, you know, what what's Allie being such a bitch for when Jim's finally coming back? Yeah, and I'm like, don't you think she's got some grievances here too? Yeah. I think yeah, I think there's a lot of cultural things yeah. where it's where it's like, um, it's all right for a man to have that sort of behaviour, but if mm. a oh if a, a woman says no, this is the way things will be, she's automatically cast as a yeah, bitch. Yeah, that's bullshit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is. But um, I mean, I I'll admit that I'm a little bit. Um, imprisoned by the uh the you know the madonna horror paradox of my you know cultural upbringing of you know the the need to put women up on a pedestal and to worship them you're and... you're in the right place to unlearn that <laughs> <laughs> we're all filthy whores <laughs> well, no, san francisco is very egalitarian mm-hmm. um in even in the subtle ways and it's a nice place to Mm-hmm. To, to get some other cultural reference framing for that. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of the way that I, I view relationships and mm. sexuality, I mean, I like the idea of the woman being in the dominant position right. in you know, in lovemaking and mm-hmm. of just well, the you view's know, certainly better. <laughs> yeah, of just <laughs> you know, of in essence saying you know, let me give this to you, and right. you know, well, it's a trust thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if if the if the woman is in control from a woman's point of view, it's quite um, liberating to have somebody give themselves mm-hmm. to you and say, "I trust myself. I yeah. place mm-hmm. you, myself in your hands." And let me say that from a male perspective, it's liberating to let go of having to yeah. be the guy, the true. one in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, oh, and, yeah. and, and it's yeah, and if you read. Um, a lot of the the less sex positive feminist philosophy. One of the things you keep coming across is the idea that sex is uh, dangerous for women because the woman is invaded physically. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a symbolic badness. But about then that. there's also the male is swallowed. Right, and taken. that's where I was going. And mm. and from you know from a male point of view, particularly when I was first sexually active, I remember it being utterly terrifying. Mm. I mean, you know, you know, you, you don't get past 10 years old without knowing that it comes back out, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but then it but, comes out in a different state. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like the, the woman, the woman mm-hmm. takes takes your uh, your control, your, your passion, right. and, it, and she lets you go and you're, yeah. you're done. Yeah, and <laughs> it was... There's it, a reason why there's all of these, you know, urban legends and mythology. Vagina dentata. What a wonderful phrase. <laughs> well, there's a new movie about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And in yeah. Kali, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the destroyer and the mm-hmm. creator of life. I think mm-hmm. that's what my the third, The Rite of Princes, is about. Somebody said, tweeted to mm-hmm. me, that's the ultimate male nightmare is that mm-hmm. they don't, they don't have control. The woman is taking something, like mm-hmm. the succubus. The woman is yeah. taking something from you. Yeah, and that's and, and that's that's actually one of the one of the most frightening things in any relationship is someone who steals from you that which you would be willing to give if they asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. There's it's a betrayal. I think worse than someone who who um you know who goes and cheats on you or someone who um mm-hmm. who does something else just to fuck with you it's mm-hmm. that 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 idea of being having the gifts you were about to give stolen from you is is incredibly mm-hmm. treacherous i mm-hmm. was having an interesting conversation with a couple of uh, lady friends and one of whom was very um very firmly convinced that there is that that the act of ejaculation 
that a man loses a portion of his life force <laughs> in the process of well, it. Well, that's the tantric the, thing, isn't it? That yeah. you that mm-hmm. you internalize your see, orgasm. Yeah. So the, the, pe- the people who who say that obviously don't know how frequently men masturbate. <laughs> well, no, but think of you know, it's like when you know when a man. Um, you know, after a man has had sex, after he finishes, he want all he wants to do is roll over and go, go to, to sleep. sleep. Right. And you know, the the, <laughs> the, the um, you know the artist right man won't do that. Yeah. In the Middle Ages, you know, they they used to think that it was important for artists to be ascetic because if a, if a man you know that a, a man's sexuality was tied in with his creative drive, and once you have well, they do that with sports players now, don't they? You're not supposed mm-hmm. to have yeah. sex the night well, before. Well, it's like, right. yeah, like it loses Kurt... some some vi- aspect is... of your vital mm-hmm. force. It's and... like, yeah, like Colonel Mandrake and or uh, Colonel Colonel Ripper, or General Ripper in uh, Doctor Strangelove. Mm. I do not deny women my essence, Mandrake. <laughs> or I, I do not deny women Mandrake, but I do not give them my essence. <laughs> <laughs> what you haven't got enough to go around? Right. <laughs> it's a factory down they, they there. I'm telling you. Want to produce, mm. uh, preserve our precious bodily fluids, don't you know? Mm. <laughs> Sperm are cheap. Rule number one yeah. of biological. Uh, Throw them as many of them as you around as you like. Absolutely. Mm. We'll I, make more. But I do think there is something to it that there's a sense of having lost something. You know, if it, if it, you know, and I think that's where the the fear of having it taken from you is. You know, well, that's the succubus. Maybe. Well, I was just speaking <coughs> generally, myth, relationally, the taking. Well, yeah, but, I mean, but you know, you can you can make this very literal, or you can make it well, very metaphorical. True. It works on multiple levels. Yeah, but uh, but there is a nice there's something nice about being ridden hard and put away wet, so to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> Such a memory. Uh, yes. <laughs> Love water bottle. Oh, um. Throat's suddenly a bit dry. I can't imagine why. <laughs> Better hot in here, isn't it? <laughs> Losing fluids rapidly, quick. But, yeah. <laughs> moisturize me, moisturize me. <laughs> but so yeah, so you've got Puck and Sive who are each. Very, uh, very iconic sexual identities, and mm-hmm. whose identities are quite explicitly tied up in their sexuality more so than any of your human characters, which mm. I found kind of interesting. Which is appropriate because the the Fae, by their very nature, tend to be um, don't take this the wrong way, but they're character caricatures. You know, mm. they're, yeah, they're the, they're the the the, the abstract primeval forces yeah. that exactly that um and Puck is is chaos, and I'm what would. Sive is almost like Carly. She's mm-hmm. the, the, the giver. She's Carly and Athena, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Or, See, or my original and, idea was that yeah. the Fae had actually got around Earth, and and that's you know they could appear anywhere. Uh-huh. Therefore, they could be perceived by different cultures in different, yeah. different mm-hmm. ways, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So be monomyth. Mm. <laughs> I've read too much, far too much Joseph Campbell, um, but and. Sexual identity in your universe, Chris, is much, much different. Sexual identity is definitely a very malleable in um, the world of Metamorph City because the existence of magic that is commercially available allows people to explore sides of themselves that you could never explore in any other way, at least mm-hmm. not, fully. Um, not fully. I mean, even when people change their, their physical sex in 
the modern world, it's mm-hmm. a bit of a you know, it's it's you can never quite get there. You know? Right, because you can't change the neurolo- the neurophysiology. Oh, your right. DNA. Yeah, but you, I mean, you've got yeah. what in, in the real world you've got what gender fuck role play and transvestitism and transsexualism and then actual um, sexual reassignment. Sexual yeah, reassignment. But right. you don't get. You have to if you if you want the neurology to change, you have to start really early and live many many decades before the neurology right. is finally reshaped enough by the hormones. Right. Yeah. So there really isn't anything uh, equivalent to. Oh, I have been raised from the time that I was six months old with both male and female alter egos, and I use these different sides of myself to explore and express different sides of my personality. Mm-hmm. You know, when the, the, the very existence of the androgyne curse required me to think about a completely new way of being for humanity, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a literal third gender. Um, well, there are literal third genders. To, I mean, there's uh, intermittent physical intermittence, and there's also um, uh, testosterone or androgen immune um, mm. XYs. Mm. True, true. But I don't know very much about those. Um, in... you, I, you might find them useful mm-hmm. uh, for if you for for future mm-hmm. stories because you're you're already mm-hmm. hitting on a lot of things that they go through. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. That's a... yeah, but it's it 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 interested me. Um, to think about, you know, we have all of these roles in in society that are um, assigned to one gender or the mm-hmm. other, and you know, people to some extent choose whether to follow those roles or to rebel against them. Mm-hmm. But we don't really have the option that the androgynes have, which is to play both sides of the field um, as to, members of each as side mem- of the field. As yeah. members <laughs> of each side of the field, right? You know. When a girl playing a boy's game in the real world is always a girl playing a boy's game and vice versa. Right. Yeah. You know, in in our world, if, you know, Ava was creeped out by Artax, the way that Artax treats women, she would have to be very, you know, develop this hardness about herself. And Instead of just... Be very militant and standoffish. Ava completely avoids the subject by handing the reins over to Evan <laughs> and saying, "Here, you deal with it. You deal with the man. I want nothing to do with it." <laughs> he freaks me out. That would be out. quite a good deal, actually. Yeah, that, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Or the whole biz, bit when they're going into the bar and. It's like there's all these men there just off of work, all these <laughs> earthy South Moran men who are into their cups, and she's like, I really don't want to get hit on, and so she switches <laughs> to Evan. So. Mm-hmm. It's always handy to have a, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that would be very handy. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, but of course, this it, it, you couldn't do something like this without it having real serious long-term ramifications for your relationships and your self-identity mm-hmm. and all yeah. that. And we have the different layers of you know, self-identity that go with the different generations of androgynes mm-hmm. as they become more and more um, di- psychologically divergent in their male and female personas. Um, Ava's at kind of a middle place, and Dan- Danny and Daniel are sort of forcibly pushed into a, a very divergent case that they are totally not equipped for. Do you, and, do you think, because I get the, the feeling with uh, Evan and Ava, mm-hmm. that they don't have a long-term relationship and, mm. and that is how they deal with the, the Danny Daniel situation, with the complications of that. 
Oh, the, the, there's there's a there's a joke a running joke in the poly community about a bisexual woman being the unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> right. They 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 not they don't exist, but everyone wants one. <laughs> uh, you're a bisexual single woman who gets along with both you and your partner. If there's already a two person existing relationship, right? <laughs> yeah, you, part of me wonders how the androgynes would work out if there would That's be four right. people in exactly a relationship, mm-hmm. or or if, if two both... people would have a polyamorous relationship, right? Or yes. both, yeah, <laughs> yeah or exactly. Both, or if both sides are bisexual. How would they both find one person that they both like? It's hard enough finding uh, being a one person finding one person, and right. uh-huh. you got to have one person that's that's liked by both halves uh-huh. of yourself. That would that would this, add this is play. something that that I want to because um, I get the feeling that Ava and Evan are quite play it, players. Yeah. They are players. They're they're manipulators. They're gamesmen, and you know that's that's part and parcel of the world in which they operate. But I think that they're also, and to to a great extent, lonely people. Yeah. Um. You know, the the all of the advice that that Ava gives to Danny is focused on the short term. Yeah. Well, probably because she doesn't have much. She doesn't experience. have long term. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there is no long term in in that career, especially the way she latches on to to Daniel quite early on. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, she's kind of there's a a part of her and him. Hmm. That likes that role of I oh I'll step up and I'll be the the person that helps you and mm-hmm. finds the answer and and, mm-hmm. and that kind of says to me that they mm-hmm. they're kind of lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Evan and Ava have never really had somebody that they were able to bond with to the extent that they're able to bond with Daniel mm. because mm-hmm. Daniel doesn't put up with the bullshit of their you know the the world that they live in. You know, he has no interest in being a part of that world, and. You know, it's he's he's got very serious problems <laughs> with being pulled into this mm-hmm. world without his consent. It's like I, I'm working for who? <laughs> he's got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, a laundry list. Get, of getting them. himself a female alter ego mm-hmm. compounds the problems. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I, I the the themes that I I'm try to explore with uh, Metamorph City is the idea. Everybody wants to use magic to fix their problems, and really all it does is it gives you new problems. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different range of problems open up mm-hmm. instead. It was like I was telling you in the car about um, about uh, polyamory. Mm-hmm. You fix you fix if you've got mature people involved, you fix the problem of you know after after four years a sexual relationship goes stale. That's the natural biorhythm, and mm-hmm. curiosity about outside partners ensues. Mm-hmm. Um, you fix that problem by creating an environment of trust in which exploring outside is okay if you decide to do it. But you fix that at the expense of introducing extra sets of all the other problems you get in relationships anytime you make another significant connection. Right. With all of the pain and with uncertainty. All, yeah, all the pain and the risk and the uncertainty that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the androgynes, you've got the classic problem solved of... I want to be able to understand the opposite sex. <laughs> Wish granted. Now, here's what you have to deal with. <laughs> now you are the opposite sex. <laughs> and you have to figure out which parts of you psychologically go with which bits. Right. And, you know, how that changes. But I, I do want to explore that whole idea of I want to put Evan and Ava into a meaningful relationship that they then have to oh, deal that would with. Be fun. And, and I'm kind of singling out Morgan for this 
Um, I had already wanted to do a storyline between Morgan and an androgyne yeah. character. You're gonna get mm. you're gonna get um, more hate mail from your straight women who are pissed off about no gay male sex. <laughs> get T. Morris to shag another man. Go on. <laughs> the uh, you know the I'm I'm not I I, I am aware of the the you know absence of man love in Metamore City <laughs> up till this point. There ain't no man love in Metamore City. But um, I've I've got some ideas about how to get around that with the second novel. I'm still in the plotting stage for that, fortunately. So I have the ability. Uh, yeah, to... when people say those sort of things, it's like, oh, you can just shove it into the scene, right? No, right. into a book yeah, gratuitously. To, particularly the kind of fiction that we all write. We all write very character-driven fiction. Yeah, exactly. you, can't, you can't just put it in gratu- for yeah. gratuitous. I mean, sake. oh, you know, I need some man love. It, it, right. This, this isn't a slam on Scott because he does what he does very well. But with Scott, mm. his publisher tells him. You know, give me more violence here. I want a cop character here to help give another perspective. And he's done. He can drop it in because mm-hmm. it's a plot-driven story, and he can make room in the plot. Right. Character-driven stories grow from it. They grow from the bottom up instead of the top down. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, it takes a lot more of creative reverse engineering to stick something like <laughs> yeah. that in if you weren't planning for it already. And if you and if you. If... <laughs> But if Beavis and Butthead Hour has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> he said, stick it in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'd already had it in mind to tell this, this story with um, with Morgan and an androgyne character about the, and the, the differences in the relationship between her and the male half and the female half. And I'm beginning to think that Ava might be, an, Evan and Ava might be the right character to tell this with because the other character that I sort of had in mind to do this with has never really um, felt like a real person to me Mm -hmm. and has not shown up in any of the stories thus far, which Mm -hmm. I think is telling. Um, So you need to find out who she is first. Right. And so I'm, I'm thinking that this, that, that Evan and Ava may be the right character to stick with this and be an added, um, yeah, they are like a they're like a bisexual wet dream, aren't they? Let's, oh yeah. <laughs> except yeah. you can't get them in the room at the same time. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, for for Morgan, this is the best yeah, of both thing, worlds. Kitty, it's a good thing Kitty is asleep, or she'd be like crawling all over this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, Morgan is totally bisexual, mm. and you know, is very interested in having the oppor- you know the opportunity to explore both sides of of this. But the thing is that Morgan is monogamous. Oh. And so, this well, so yeah. you run into the run into the problem that my friend uh, my friend with multiple personalities ran into hmm. when his wife found out that he had multiple personalities. Hmm. They split up. They're still married. They still love each other. They're still hmm. good friends. But she will not live with him. And her explanation to me was, "I can't deal with not knowing who I'm going to wake up next to." Hmm. Yeah. See, Morgan forms these these meaningful bonds um, through blood with different individuals, and she's more than willing to have, you know, in you know those things going on with mm. more than one person, as long as it's understood what it's about. Mm-hmm. But in terms of a long term committed relationship, that's a completely different right. thing. Well, there's from... no there's no literal thrall going on there, right? Yeah. So there's more trust that's required. Right. Mm. So yeah, it's it's and to give up control of a situation to to um to be this you know to to give up her power mm. is uh, you know that that's a very vulnerable. See, thing. I, I always so. assumed with the with the androgynes that they would naturally gravitate towards 
other androgynes because mm-hmm. they would be the ones that know the similar situation and it would be easiest. And often that is, that is what happens. Um, that That is exactly what happens and that's why you get fourth and fifth. It's like actors dating actors, you know. <laughs> that's why you get third and fourth and fifth generation androgynes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's become a subculture that is very um, incestuous to a, mm-hmm. you know, to a great degree. Um, because really, how can anybody who's who's monosexual understand their yeah. their if situation? If one of them gets pregnant, does that mean that the other one's pregnant? Because only... if you had to, a male female two male female combos, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't like one the female get... have to stay up for nine months for that to work? The the uh, the only male um, andro- uh, androgynes who have a male dominant form, which means that they have to spend at least fifty one percent of their time in their male form. Mm. Uh, can't get pregnant. So because could Ava they, and Evan get pregnant? Uh, they can because she's female dominant. Ava mm-hmm. is the, the dominant form. Yes, so. in your face, T. Morris. <laughs> <laughs> but then she would be stuck in female form. Um, you so know, she, she wouldn't be so she, keen on that. She could change, you know, that's that's the thing, because she can, um, you know, change back whenever can, can she, she wants to. Can she change intermittently, like? enlarge her clitoris and and go with and change her brain but keep her other internal organs the same to maintain life support yeah the androgynes do if if they are clever and they learn how to you know it's it's a skill that they have Mm, to learn to be able to alter different parts of their sexual their their physical physical equipment um they're you know the the really talented timaros could be pregnant (laughs) the the really talented ones are able to to enter a a true hermaphrodite form but that's Mm. You know, just like there are some theriomorphs who can um, have take on a, a centaur-like form, which gotcha. is very, it's very tricky and it requires a lot of practice to do it right. Um, I suspect that it Evan could and Eva some fun scenes in that in an Evan and Eva story. It could. It could. I was just thinking of the like if you had uh, two androgynes together, they could get each other pregnant. Mm. <laughs> you know, they, they, they could... that would be cool. Actually, the geography would be a little bit difficult. <laughs> yeah. It would be, it'd be, <laughs> mm, yeah. Can you do half and half? You know, 69. Like a... <laughs> well, no, because then you get head to genitals. You'd have to go scissors. Yeah, yeah scissors. <laughs> Can half a cock get you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> or you just take turns. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I think you just take turns. Yeah. Yep. So it could, it could get very, um, <laughs> it could get very complex. Very complicated. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean the whole the that whole issue of you're in a, a committed relationship with this one, with one person in this this duo. What if the other person in this duo thinks of it as an open relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> different levels of commitment from the two have you know the two alter egos could yeah, lead off, to some conflict. Off, off mic, I can recommend some good sources on multiple personalities that because that, that's a problem that multiples have. Mm, I can believe it. <laughs> what, what do you mean you went out and slept with someone else? We, we're supposed to be, you know, monogamous here. Well, well I'm not monogamous. Was, yeah. I didn't sign up for that contract. Uh-huh, I wasn't the <laughs> one taking the vows. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. That's the, that's the the grand thing about you've got this whole world to investigate that mm. I don't when are you ever going to run out of stories I, I it's yeah, going to be I've a while yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well I keep running into these interesting new little pockets of the the universe to explore which is how I keep coming up with the short stories that mm-hmm. you know only tangentially relate to anything else yeah I mean and, but, antithesis is going to keep me busy for the next six years or so but mm-hmm. after that I'm like oh, I'm going to need another big one yeah the other the other big thing that I'm exploring with Metamorph City is my own um, 
dabbling with um, gender dysphoria. Um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself to be truly gender dysphoric, but there's, there's definitely been a large aspect of what would it really be like to be a woman? Mm. And, you know, she to good. <laughs> <laughs> looking at you, Pip, I believe it. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. I had fun with it. <laughs> so, I mean, making the cut has to a large extent been me working out my own personal mm-hmm. issues with, the, with this. It's probably know. with a lot of, I mean, a lot of writing. <laughs> Where some yeah. of us are dancing naked on the on the lawn with the spotlights and the yeah. helicopters, and some of us are just quietly dancing on the lawn in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean Daniel's story. There's a there's a reason I say that I put more of Daniel of myself into there's Daniel than most you're of my other. Voicing him as opposed to anyone else. Exactly, mm. yeah. exactly. And you know, it was a it's a real um, amount. It's a real surrender for me to give. Danny to anybody else because mm. she's but I mean let's know, face this, it man you just don't have the pipes I, for it I don't have the pipes for it but it's it's uh, in both senses of the word the plumbing in it but yeah you're I mean, not because, fully plumbed my friend because I can you know I can hear Danny's voice in my head clearer than anything because mm. that's another aspect of me mm. right well I would say the same thing about Sive and me is is exploring that sort of side. What, what character would you say that is? Oh man, there's a little bit. Marion is a lot of what I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Joss is actually also a lot of what I used to be in a mm. very different way. Um, you wouldn't have liked me if you met me 10, 10, 15 years ago. I'm amazed Kitty's still with me because I'm not the same person she met. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, very cynical. Um, for reasons I go into off mic, yeah, um, and did not. There was, eh, God, probably over half my life I did not. I was in, incapable of seeing beauty and joy in the world, though I desperately wanted to. Mm-hmm. And Joss is that kind of gamesman. He's the kind of gamesman that I used to be. Um, and Allie, in a different way is also the the person I was when I started writing the book 10 years ago. Um as to who's me now. There's a little me, little bit of me in Doug. Oddly enough there's a lot of me in Mondu, though we don't see a lot of him. Um <laughs> There's I'm spread out all over the place. Yeah. There's and I I've, I've tried really hard not to um not to put too much of myself in any one basket because mm. yeah. I actually find myself pretty fucking boring. <laughs> I want to be be, be I'm interested. I'm sure you're not. Want well, thank you, but I I want to be interested enough in my characters uh, yeah. to be able to explore them. Yeah. Well, I um, I'm definitely puck and scythe. Now, when we get to down from 10, that's a little more naked. Um, so we'll have to do There's this a couple again. of spotlights coming on on the oh, lawn. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, down from down from ten. Whereas antithesis was me wrestling with the uh, the darkness of of the universe, you know, coming to grips with darkness of the universe and trying to find beauty in it. The, when I wrote the first draft, down from ten is uh, is about dealing with. Um, with two forces that came into my life in a huge way at the same time, which was death and Polly. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a lot of death in my world the last six or seven years, and particularly the last two years. And there has been a lot of soul-wrecking love and joy. 
Mm. And the two often of the, those, often the two go together, right? But from <clears throat> divergent sources, and mm. the two is so a lot of loss and a lot of uh, just joy, and you know, just you know, rip all the scabs off my soul and let them heal. But uh, the the two things coming together at once, it just I got to a point where I had to I had to write it down because yeah. mm. I did I couldn't understand how they were both churning around at the same time but not swamping each other, right? <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if maybe making the cut was a um, an expression of my own frustration at feeling like the the skills and talents that I had had received no recognition. Mm, that um, definitely shows in the early chapters, particularly. Yeah, I mean, there's you know Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> with Daniel, I I made him in in one respect. He's a total wish fulfillment on mm. my part because he's he's really handsome. He's athletic. He's popular, <laughs> and then he has it all pulled out from under him, and it right. all taken away, and all of his talents are mean nothing to the society that he's in, and mm-hmm. you know it's like all of my. Academic. I didn't realize this until just a minute ago, but it's like <laughs> oh god, yeah, it's, it's like, got that I'm late. We're now getting I'm, into the deep. It's like all this, you know, these the uh, academic achievement, all of the being successful in grad school, and you know, being you know, getting to that that level of of recognition in my field and the academic world, and then the time comes to carry it into the the practical world, and the world says, you know, all we right. don't really need you. Mm-hmm. You're superfluous. I know yeah. you worked really hard, but you know what? Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 the things that you are good at are of no value to our society right now. So thank you for playing, but yeah. we're going to stick you off in this little corner, this soulless mm-hmm. corporate world where you're going to expend. <laughs> away. Your, you're going to expend yourself, you know, for the, the the great machine and and you know have a nice life and yeah, it, yeah. it's and. Maybe that's why I took his girl away too. That's yeah, <laughs> so, really yeah. The girl that I never. You're gonna had. suffer like me. You're really gonna suffer Damn like me. Damn it! I'm gonna make it even worse for you. Yeah, because <laughs> well, yeah, he's had it and lost yeah. it. And yeah. Then he. Uh, so then he decides. Oh, I'm gonna use magic to make it all better. And, Wouldn't we all like to do that? And of course, it doesn't work. <laughs> he gets his happy ending eventually, but uh, not the way he thought. <laughs> You've read the end of the yes, book. Yes, I've read the end. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. I'm in the dark on that one. Mm. You read the end of Antithesis and she hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, hold on. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> oh, but half, yeah, half the fun is in the revelation. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think writers just naturally do. I mean, you don't, like, you just realize that it's all subconscious. And I mean, mm-hmm. and, you put, and you put a little bit of yourself into every character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, it, the, the whole thing with Mordant, with with the person was like identifying with him, and I kind of identify with him as well because he does everything for the right reasons, and totally gets kicked in the teeth. Yeah, I mean, who hasn't had that happen? <laughs> does really stupid things for the right reasons. Yes, really <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I think thinking about it, I think probably of all the characters I've written, the one that is most me. Yeah. Is the man on the train platform in Train Time? It's you haven't listened. No, to any I haven't stories? listened to that one yet. Sorry. Oh, okay. Train Time takes place over the over the space of two hours. Mm-hmm. A man is waiting for 
um, the train to come in, the Orient Express, so that he and his lover can take the um, the last spaceship of the season out to the colonies. And they they had met they had met on a trip in North Africa. They'd fallen madly in love. They'd made this an impulse decision. They'd taken two weeks to go wrap up the loose ends of their lives and then go. But the train's late, and there hasn't been any word, and he doesn't know if she's on it. And the whole story is him sitting on the train platform, remembering their their relationship and wondering if she's going to chicken out or if she's going to show up. Mm. And I wrote that to cope with, because I was coping with that situation. I had someone I was profoundly in love with mm. who I knew I had a better than even chance that it was that was not going to be practically feasible for us to have the kind of relationship we both wanted. But I had... To express, I wanted to capture that that sense of anticipation and dread and joy all wrapped yeah. up together um, before I found out which was going to happen. Ah, <laughs> Lady and the Tiger sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah, so it's it. That's probably my most personal story so far, at least before down from ten, because that one it really is just me sitting on that platform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think in, in in Geist, there's a bit of me dancing on the lawn. Uh-huh. Uh, because there's a situation where um, the, the, there's a magical partnership and, and she works with him and she's also married to him and this situation is that he's emotionally dead. That sounds familiar. It does you've been, sound you've familiar. been talking about that recently. Yes, yeah, so, last couple days. Yeah, and, and then there's. Well, we're getting pretty deep and profound, profound here. Kind could of fun. Late, could be the light, the lateness, or it could be the wine. Could be the lateness, or the wine, or the fact that we've been talking nonstop for almost a day and a half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, this is this is what really is. You know, these are the things that I, I really appreciate in human relationships. Yeah. Is when you get to the point where you've said all of the surfacey stuff, and you get yeah. past the bullshit, mm-hmm. and you start to talk about the things that really matter. Yeah, and often talk, when you're talking with other people, that's when you get the revelations, and you go, uh-huh. oh, I understand that bit of me now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh-huh. okay. I, that puts that in context. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I understood the religious and political implications of what I was writing and making the cut <laughs> right away. Right. Uh, as soon as they were on the page, it's like, Oh yeah, that's me. That's my love letter to the church, and that's my love letter to America. And, yeah. But yeah, the more personal side of it, it's like it was all very abstract at first, and then it's like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I think there there was a moment in uh, was the last episode of Antithesis where Cassie's uh, standing up in the balcony. And she's thinking about her lovers, mm. and uh, she she talks about about Brittany, and then she she thinks about Joss and thinks about understanding him, because he feels the pressure of life trickling away and understands how important it is to live it on his own terms. Mm. And uh, that was that was a moment I really struggled with whether to keep in or not because it's very much Cassie, but that's me talking. Yeah, and and I reworked that and reworked that and reworked that till I was sure it was in her voice and not mine. <laughs> That's the tricky part. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean, of course, you knew that that was you, but the reader, right. wouldn't, the reader wouldn't, would right. reader wouldn't, right? But if it were not, if it were not in her voice, then it would come across as false. Yeah, or yeah, I did, yeah. It's, you live for those moments when you can come out and say something plainly, but you you, you can't preach it. 
or you right. you, you destroy all the credibility you brought. It's got to come well, from a, a, truthful, yeah. a truthful place, otherwise yeah. people, well, people get that. But, well, it's yeah. like when Evan is talking to Daniel about um, warlike societies and you know warlike cultures don't fight because they like fighting; they fight because they believe it's the only solution. Mm-hmm. And if they believe that, if you go into your your relationships and your your dealings with the world and from that mindset you're going to find yourself getting pulled into conflict after conflict that yeah. you don't want because you believe that it's the only way to be safe. That's true. And that's yeah. something that you know it, it's been a burden on me the way that I've seen you know America relate to the world and the way that I've seen the church relate to the world. Mm-hmm. And, and organizations are are almost they're worse about that than individuals because individuals can learn and organizations can't it's mm. not, not at the same rate yeah but, yeah it's uh well, that that opens up a whole other can of worms <laughs> yes but we were talking about sex yeah we were talking about <laughs> sex and we're getting a bit far afield <laughs> mm. <sighs> uh, anyone else got any ideas i'm spent <laughs> <laughs> After two hours, Chris. Mm. Getting, on, getting close to three now. We we, we got the, we got the kiwi here. Yeah. Keep, yeah. Keep going. I can get it. I can going. do it. She's like the Energizer Bunny. Mm. <laughs> I think it's time for me to roll over and go to sleep. <laughs> Are you but sure? Want to stay up and cuddle? <laughs> Stuff cuddling. <laughs> <laughs> Sex is like cuddling, only damper. (laughs) (laughs) That's another coupling quote, isn't it? Only damper. I would have thought thought moist, yes, but the damp. What are you doing, shagging in a field? (laughs) Morning dew on you? Or in the shower. (laughs) Or just doing it over and over again until your bits fall off. That's fun, too. Well, not the falling off part. I wouldn't. No, know. well, until they feel like they're gonna. Fall yeah, off. until you, until every bit of you aches and your, yeah. and, your and your head feels like it's going like. This. Yeah, and every. And That's every, great. Yeah, and every time you step, you're like, ow, ow, ow. But oh, you know what? I'll do it again. Yeah. Because <laughs> the human spirit is indomitable. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, if there's sex, I'll manage. <laughs> Oh, the things to look forward to. Yeah, oh, well, that's, yes. that's the thing I always thought about men is like you know, the, the, if their legs could be blown off and they could be lying there on the field, and if it was like somebody came along and said, "Do hey, you want to have a sex?" Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing anything else right now. I'm just now. lying here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sexually active? Well, no, I just <laughs> lie there. <laughs> <laughs> How did we get into amputee porn? <laughs> We're talking sex with an erotic writing kiwi. Yeah, mm. uh, it's a good thing Nobilis wasn't here, man. This would have been bad. <laughs> oh, I like talking to Nobilis. He's got some interesting stuff going yeah, on true. in his head. Yeah, that's true. He does. Alrighty, so should we get out of here? Yeah, we should probably wrap this up. Before we pause. But as long as we realize there's you guys that are saying giving up, Mm. I can keep going. I can keep going. Bring it on, Kiwi. I'll go get the blue pills. Then I am going to get out of here and let these two keep at it. And 
If you would like to comment on this bout of insanity, yeah, you can... All three of them. We've got enough for three shows here. That's or right. two, depending on how we edit it. So we can... Six, one, round one. Six, round two. <laughs> you can call in to, our, uh, to my voicemail line, which is 206-203-0994. That's 206-203-0994. You can leave your comments on feedback at metamorecity.com. Uh, in text or audio form. You can leave your comments on the blog at metamorecity.com, on Facebook at the uh, Fans of Metamore City page, which I am now, against my better judgment, active in. Um, <laughs> or you can contribute to the fan-driven forums, which are at thecursed.org. Dan, where can you find people comment on your site? You can send uh, questions, comments, or death threats to the show line at 206-350-5739. You can leave feedback and commentary on the blog at antithesis.jdsawyer.net. You can email me at dan at jdsawyer.net, or if you prefer to do the drive-by method, you can Twitter me at dsawyer. And Pip, where can they find you? Eroticaalacarte.com. <laughs> and Philippa Jane on Twitter. Yes, mm-hmm. Philippa Jane on Twitter. Uh, Pip at pjballantine.net. Um, I have a blog on pjballantine.com. Chasingthebard.com. Whispers at the edge.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh... I can't remember. At this time of the night, I cannot remember what my my, my number is because I haven't been using it lately. You don't even know what day it is. Even still I don't active. know. But I am, I'm actually going to put on the uh, Erotica podcast the, the voicemail now. So you can, oh, cool. you can leave your uh, comments. What did you say? Comments? Qu- uh, comments, questions, criticisms, and death threats. Oh, oh, comments, criticisms, and heavy breathing. On- there you go. <laughs> On there. Gotta have an orgasm competition. Oh, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Minx had one. It was quite popular. I'll bet. Isn't sex always an orgasm competition? Uh, well, no, no. She she had people record their orgasms and then she used them as bumpers for a while. <laughs> it was quite good. You should see the facial expression that Pip just <laughs> showed to the mic. Thinking about it, it was yes. a little pensive. Hmm. Hmm. Do you do that in accents? <laughs> you know that oh look that a dog God. gets on its face when it's got peanut butter stuck to the roof of its mouth? It's kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, more like a sheep. But <laughs> I was thinking, how can I get that onto my shirt? <laughs> okay, so until next time, I will talk to you guys soon. Until then, keep it on the bright side. And uh, enough of this oral microphone fellatio. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, I thought you laughed, Dan. Uh... <laughs> Don't make Chris, me do that. Chris, Chris is eating out the diaphragm and Chris is giving hers a blowjob. <laughs> oh, but remember, it isn't whether you win or lose, but how you rig the game. And that's true in sex, too. <laughs> and if you rig it right, then you both win. That's right. <laughs> If you rig it wrong, you both get tied up and can't get loose. <laughs> Which is when you need the chicken scissors. <laughs> and Pip wants your sign off. <laughs> I'll catch you later. <laughs>